We're continuing our review of 2020 Best Ball ADP on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio. We are brought to you by Bet Online and Untuck It. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. Just to quickly recap before we get into this episode, uh, the round one ADP in best ball leagues currently at the FFPC is Christian McCaffrey at one, Saquon Barkley at two, Michael Thomas at three, Ezekiel Elliott at four, Dalvin Cook at five, Alvin Kamara six, Travis Kelsey, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, and DeAndre Hopkins. When Matt and I drafted the first round earlier in the week, we had a little bit of a variation as we did not have Travis Kelsey, Nick Chubb, or Aaron Jones. Rather, we had finding their way in Chris Godwin, Tyreek Hill, and Devontae Adams. Very quickly, uh, in recap, Matt, here, which one of those names were you surprised found their way in between us? I'm assuming it would be your boy, Chris Godwin. Uh, No, I mean, I think Godwin is fine in the first round. Um, doesn't really, I'm not really like surprised by anyone that we've included in the first round, to be honest. Like, I think there's a case to be made for Godwin and also uh, for Tyreek Hill, but I could see how they slip into the second round in a decent number of drafts. For sure. And I think that the second round um, ADP that we're about to look at is where things really get interesting. But before we get into that, it is time for our betonline.ag flaming hot take of the week. BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook expert. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. Okay, Matt, Lamar Jackson, what do you say to those who draft him in round one, maybe round three, round five? Where is it appropriate to draft Lamar Jackson, the player that we know you loved heading into last season? I was not on there. Where can I now take him if I'm on that Lamar Jackson bandwagon? Uh, Well, I mean, if it's a, let's assume a one quarterback league. Yep. I mean, if it's two quarterback, then I think it's fine to take any quarterback, uh, you know, that you Whatever. Any quarterback you like in round one. You know, Lamar Jackson, yeah. that's fine in round one. Uh, if it's single quarterback, you absolutely cannot take him in round one. I still think that round three is even too early, uh, although there would probably be people who would disagree with me. And honestly, like, I probably have him ranked higher than that myself or, like, in the third round. But um, I wouldn't take him in the third round. So, like, even though I think he, you know, like, quote, unquote, should go in the third round, I wouldn't take him there. And I don't think anyone should. If you take him in the fifth round, fine, whatever. You're theoretically getting value, although I still just hate taking quarterbacks that early. Right. Um, You're doing something I hate if you take him that early, which means I hate you if you take Lamar Jackson in round five. <laughs> so Christian McCaffrey, 471 points. I just want to remind people out there that was 20 more points than Lamar Jackson. Of course, though, Jackson only played um, that that's in 15 games. So on a points per game basis, Lamar was the 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 leader at 30 uh, points a game. Very hard to scoff at that. Um, I can see, though, Matt, 
how people would be inclined to say to you, let's say I, I if I knew that Lamar Jackson was going to score 451 points, would then in that hypothetical scenario, would it be okay to take Lamar Jackson ahead of, or, or let's just say round three, or maybe ahead of round five? Sorry, can you say that one more time? <laughs> so, like, if somebody had the uh, Martin McFly... Uh, yes, the Almanac. You, the Almanac, thank you. Yes. The Almanac. And you knew, you had no other information other than Lamar Jackson scores 451 fantasy points again. Do you think that then that would allow people to draft him in round three? Sure, yeah. I guess if, if you had that certainty, then uh, sure, yes. Okay, final question. Related to Lamar but, Jackson. But here's the thing, yep. just, just to throw a wrinkle in it. It's not just what Lamar Jackson's going to do. It's also about what Patrick Mahomes might exactly. do. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I completely agree with you. Now, Patrick Mahomes averaged more than uh, six points less per game. That gap is going to close, I, I, I have to imagine. But just focusing on Lamar, if you were to assign an over-under for his point total next year, is it above or below 451? Uh, I'm going to say below. I mean, yeah, I think it has to be. Yeah, below. it's yeah. You, you can't like project uh, like a historical number. In fact, I, I think you could even take. I, well, I don't know. I was gonna say 400, but that feels kind of low, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think we're in an era where scoring, you know, continues to to be inflated, and uh, we're talking about, uh, I think, players who have the capability of producing in a variety of ways, and they have offensive weapons around them. So, like, I don't know. I don't want to be overly pessimistic on what they could do, but like, uh, whatever you think is like the historical numbers they have a chance of putting up, like, multiply that by point eight or something <laughs> like that, and then yeah. think of that as the more realistic number. Yeah, well, there you have it. Friedman hates Lamar Jackson. Uh, that's been <laughs> great. The, the betonline.ag flaming hot take of the week. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% off welcome bonus at betonline.ag. All right, Matt, we are not going to continue selecting players. Instead, we're going to look at the actual ADP from those FFPC best ball drafts. Zach Ertz, again, because it's tight end premium here, is going as the first player off the board in round two. However, he is, what's that, eight spots ahead of George Kittle. Given what we talked about in the last episode, I have to think that you feel that's preposterous. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, I don't think it's, like, horrible, but uh, I wouldn't do it. You know, like, I would rather uh, go with a running back or wide receiver. Right. Now, how much of that, okay, just based upon the fact that it's the tight end there, but what about Ertz in comparison to Kittle? Ertz in comparison to Kittle? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would much rather have Kittle. Right. Yeah. Like, e sorry. I easily, yes. I, I'm sort of framing this backwards. I would easily rather have Kittle over Ertz. I would probably rather have Kittle uh, over Kelsey, um, but that's obviously like an argument, and I think it's it's pretty much a coin flip between them but uh versus Ertz clearly I would rather have Kittle and it's it's not even close right so I should point out now as we're talking about this Zach Ertz was number two in targets among tight ends 
was number two in air yards, three in receptions, four in PPR, four in PPR per game. So it's not like it was all terrible for Ertz. So I have to imagine that you still have him in your tier one at the position. He's just behind Kelsey and Kittle. Uh, or no. are they in a tier of their own now? He's a, he's a tier down. He is. I, All right, break yeah, this down. I have him sort of like in a tier unto himself. Okay. But um, yeah, I still don't think that a lot of the... Um, okay, so entering 2019, there was uh, you know some pessimism around him because uh, a lot of his production in 2018 had been fueled by massive volume that seemed unsustainable. Like he had career highs in everything. Yep. And, uh, you know, then he got into, I think, a pretty fortunate situation uh, in that uh, Alshon Jeffrey suffered injuries, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Nelson Aguilar at various points in the season. And so it really was Ertz out there as the main guy once again. But I don't think he's going to have that type of benefit into, uh, you know, into this next season. So. I'm going to be just a little more pessimistic about the volume I think he's going to get. And that's the reason why I would project him for fewer fantasy points. Sure. And it's worth noting that he actually finished among tight ends, uh, ranked number one in expected points per game, finishing fourth. Not that that efficiency is going to translate, but it highlights the fact that if we do see a reduction in that volume with a healthy receiving core, or offense that, you know, maybe functions a little bit differently, uh, it's easy to see why you could arrive at something where he's not in that Kittle or Kelsey type of tier. I mean, and, let's yep, just, go ahead. sorry, let's just put yep. all the cards on the table. I have Mark Andrews ranked ahead of him. Like, Oh, I love it. All right, all right, let's hear this. Well, I mean, I don't think it's like that much of a hot take, if we're being honest. Like, Andrews was great in college. He was great in his first year. He was even better in his second year. Like, why isn't he going to be even better in his third year than he has been previously? Like he's going to continue to develop as a player in terms of his skill. And then also the opportunities that he gets on the field. And last year he was top two, uh, along with Kittle in terms of, um, I want to make sure I actually get, uh, so he, he was top two definitely in, uh, yards, (coughs) sorry, in yards per route run. And he was top two in routes per snap. So like, even though he wasn't playing uh, a lot of the snaps when he was out there, he was running routes, you know, like, so uh, he also got target market share 24%. Right. So, uh, and like, we know he's a, a touchdown scorer. So I don't know. Um, I'm just, I'm very optimistic on Andrews and I want to be ahead of the curve. Like he's ascending um, and Ertz is like, I think pretty clearly, I'm not even meaning to like say this in a way that sounds negative, but like he's like, it's not going to get better for him than it has been the past two years. Like it's going to be worse this year than it was in his previous two seasons. Like that's just, I'd say something pretty close to a mathematical fact. Like it would, (laughs) it would have to be like some sort of outlier season for things to be better for him this year or i'd say even just as good this year as they were last year but for andrews like it's not unreasonable to think that things are actually better for him this upcoming season okay uh let's just consider that for a moment so 98 targets 10 receiving touchdowns i i guess the first piece is does that 10 
touchdowns receiving feel like a number that's going to stay flat or go up? Or do you think we have, we have a situation where even if that comes down, that's going to be offset by more targets and more yards? So we're clearly in the, uh, the Ebron esque realm here yeah. where like it's, it's reasonable to assume that that number comes down. Um, but I do think we're going to see him do much more uh, as a receiver, just in terms of like what, like how they're using him and uh, how frequently he's used. And yeah, he had 852 scrimmage yards last year. Like that's a really good number. Um, and I think it's indicative of his skill. And uh, I would be surprised if that number didn't increase uh, in 2020. Yeah, and I'm not certain that there's a receiver on the team that would definitely cancel out some of the um, targets that that you think you could see the increase in. I mean, you know, maybe Hollywood Brown gets involved a little bit more, but my point is it's not like there's any receivers that they have to force the ball to all the time. So that's definitely in his favor. So final final question on that then. Does that mean that this tier that you have Ertz in all to himself is a tier that falls below the tier that Andrews is in? Are there no. more tight ends that you have here? Or is that just kind no, of the way you I, I have them in the same tier. You know, like, so how many how many targets do you think it's reasonable to project for Zach Ertz this upcoming season? Uh, like, well, he was at 156, then 136. I think if the team stays healthy, which, you know, who knows if that will be. I mean, I think, though, I'd be shocked if he gets, well, I shouldn't say shocked. I'll be surprised, you know, if he gets more than like somewhere around like 127, 128. I think a reasonable expectation for Ertz is like 118. Okay. I think that is pretty reasonable. Okay. Uh, I think that number is actually reasonable too for Mark Andrews. Okay. Like, I, I think they end up roughly in the same vicinity in their target projections. Uh, and so because of that, I think Andrews is at this point, the more explosive player. I think he's in the more explosive offense. Um, at that point, it's just like pretty easy for me to give him the nod. Okay. Well, I actually thought that, um, we were going to go through many more rounds, but this actual, uh, round two, the way it's shaking out now is so interesting that we're going to come back to it after this quick word from one of our sponsors. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 plus combination, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. These shirts will fit your frame because they are made for your frame, specific and custom to you. There's so many styles, wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again, and their website is so easy to use. They have a whole page devoted to helping you find the right fit. You need to check it out. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com and the promo code BLUE for 20% off. Go check out Untuck It. Okay, back to round two. So, Zach Ertz in this tight end premium scoring configuration is the first pick. We are then followed up by Matt's actual boy, 
Mike Evans, who in the <laughs> FFPC leagues is being selected before Chris Godwin. I, I have to assume on some level this makes you happy. Uh, no, I honestly don't really care. Um, I mean, I think it probably makes sense to uh, to select the guy who has six straight seasons of a thousand yards versus <laughs> the guy who has one season of a thousand yards. But uh, I mean, I think a case can be made for either one. Uh, and honestly, like either one, it's I, I think it's fine. OK, perfectly fair. What do you think of Austin Eckler as the next selection? We know that he had a tremendous season. Some of that, though, was helped out by the lack of Melvin Gordon. I mean, I like Austin Eckler, but that feels kind of early. Yeah, I, I really like Eckler, um, but I I do think this is a little bit early for him. Uh, I'm assuming that they're going to... So I'm assuming Melvin Gordon's gone, but I'm also assuming that even if he is gone, they bring in right. someone else to, uh, to supplement what Eckler does. And, yep. um, you know, like... Even though I think as Eckler would probably be the guy who still uh, gets more production, it's possible the other guy still gets more touches and gets the goal line work in particular. So uh, I would be a little bit hesitant about Austin Eckler, even though like I really like him. And, and uh, at least we do know that he is a receiving back, and I think he would probably be locked in as the guy who gets the majority of the receiving workload, but still uh, tough to go with a guy like that. I think that the Chargers should use Austin Eckler as much as they can, given whatever his physical limits are. But like you, I don't expect that to actually happen. If Gordon isn't there, though, they'll, they'll bring somebody in and we're not going to be looking at Austin Eckler, the workhorse. So last season was a tremendous pick in round six for what you were going to get round two in 2020. I'm not so sure. Yeah, he's followed up by Lamar Jackson. Uh, what about in best ball? Can we draft Lamar Jackson there? No, the answer is no. We're going to move on. Chris Godwin. <laughs> unless unless you disagree. No, yeah, let's okay. move on. Then Chris Godwin, we talked about. This is another player I think it might be going too early. Miles Sanders in the middle of round two. It's best ball, so it's a little bit different. I, I still think that's too early for Miles Sanders. Uh, I actually like it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I think he's a potential league winner. Um. He's, I think, going to do more in his sophomore season. And last year, uh, you know, as a part-time guy, he had 1,327 scrimmage yards and just six touchdowns. Oh, that I is think, pretty good. You know, so um, he's a receiving back. He had 50 receptions last year. I think he probably gets even more work in the passing game this year. I think he scores more touchdowns. Um, even if his yardage stays stagnant, uh, I think it's still a pretty good number for him. And I think that, uh, that yardage number could go up. Okay. So you're looking to be ahead of the curve on Miles Sanders is basically what it seems. If you're willing to draft him there. Yeah. But I mean, I you think said I he could probably... be a league winner. Do you really think if he's, is being drafted in the middle of round two, he actually can be a league winner. That's a pretty heavy term to label him with. Yeah. I mean, if he gives first round production, then, uh, I think he, he returns value. Yeah. I okay. Mean, like, but there's a difference between t- returning value and being no, a well, league if, winner. Well, okay. But he can help you win your league. But my qu- is, are you, do you really think his performance could be so transcendent that if you have him, you fall in, you know, he's, I think a league winner is a player that if, as long as your team has him, you, that means that you have a solid chance of winning your I, league. I think he could be a top three fantasy back. Okay. So I think if you get a top three fantasy back in the second round, like you give yourself a pretty good chance of winning your league. 
All right, that's fair. Uh, I'll take that. Um, behind him is Leonard Fournette. So then, given that, you think that uh, I would rather have him over Fournette. Okay. Easily. 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 Yes. Okay. Would you rather have Sanders over Nick Chubb? Probably. Really? So you're feeling really good about Miles Sanders. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of taking the approach of like, I know what he did last year. I know uh, that. And like, this is starting to get like into like too far back of like the Bayesian priors, but like, I know he was a five-star like all-American recruit entering college. Uh, I know that in his one season as the lead back in college, he was really good. I know that he's a good pass catching back. I know that he has good athleticism. Like I know that uh, he's with a, a coach who can be decent at times. Um, you know, like his offense has potential. There's no one else who could really, um, even if someone could like annoyingly siphon touches away, uh, there's no one who's going to keep him from, <coughs> sorry, there's no other potential lead back on the roster. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's easy to project him as the lead guy on his roster. And then uh, if that happens, I think he has a pretty decent chance of of carving out the lead role, like, and really expanding mm-hmm. that. Um, I Chubb is, is safer, but yep. I think Chubb has maybe a little more of a capped ceiling. You know, like, yep. I think you, you draft Chubb in round two not to lose your league and i think that's fine like that's a fine approach um but i would rather draft to try to win my league okay um does that mean that you are no longer going to be drafting Kenyon drake uh in rounds one through three uh where where is he going right now Uh, I don't know. Actually, uh, he I actually mean, is. He's going. He's going as the second pick in round three. Which, where for anybody that just started listening, year? I forget exactly where we took him, but he was on the. Uh, it was later. team that we like, managed in the in in the main event of the FFPC. It was it actually was later. Yeah. It was like in rounds like five or seven or something like that. Like it was late. Okay. Like relatively speaking. Right, but it, I think it is fair to say that you have been one of the highest people on Kenyon Drake in the industry for a couple seasons running now. Yes, that's fair. Okay. All right. After London Fournette, Julio Jones, then Josh Jacobs, George Kittle, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams. Really surprising to see Hill and Adams going so late, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think part of that is just because, um, you know, people have uh, kind of moved up on quarterback a little bit, and then you have the tight ends going higher. And by the way, I just want to say, as an aside to the Kenyon Drake conversation, we are talking about a running back who has back-to-back seasons of over a thousand yards from scrimmage and eight plus touchdowns each year. Like that's <laughs> no, not, I mean, that's not horrible. Let's no, just it, say it, it really isn't. But, um, especially considering the circumstances, that's actually right. really good. So I wonder though, what we would be saying about Kenyon Drake right now, had he spent the whole season in Miami? Oh, it, we would hate ourselves. <laughs> we would. Yeah. It is amazing how that actually did end up panning out. Um, much better than our than our late uh, acquisition of Darren Sproles, not in the draft, but after the season has started, where we actually had to spend substantial fab on him because we had nobody that was actually going to play running back. Yeah, that was embarrassing. Yes, it was. All right. Um, Julio Jones, are you surprised to see him in front of Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams? Uh, actually, yeah, a little bit. Um, Me too. But, you know, it's interesting. Um. 
I think that these early drafts tend to be done by sharper drafters. Yep. And uh, I mean, Julio is just, he continues to play at an elite level, Uh, you know, missed one game last year, um, but still had almost 1400 receiving yards. And um, is this is best ball, correct? Yep. This is best ball. So, you know, like it doesn't really matter uh, that he's a volatile, uh, you know, a volatile producer. Um, all you care about is what he does, you know, at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, I actually, I like it quite a bit. Like he hasn't really shown, um, I, I think people for a chunk of, of last season were kind of overstating, um, his decline. Like if you look at the numbers at the end of the season, like there really wasn't, maybe there was a smidgen of a decline. But, like, it's well within, like, the normal range of just, like, what a star player does in any given season. I think it's interesting that you mention um, Julio being a volatile player because I think that um, it's something that actually does bear out, at least in 2019. So he was a wide receiver one 40% of the time, but a wide receiver three 47% of the time. So he finished as a wide receiver two just 13 percent of the time. Yeah, he's volatile. I mean, there's no question about that. He actually, he really is. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I did not know that. Also, he finished uh, third in overall PPR and PPR per game, which now means that this guy is just fantastic because he's now gone going back to 2014 Ranked number six at wide receiver, two, six, seven, three, three. So still pretty far in his season. He's finishing as the wide receiver three. So I was a little surprised to see that, but that doesn't mean that um, I'm still not going to be selecting Julio Jones early in drafts. I think he's surely a round two player. Whether or not I would take him ahead of Adams and Hill, I'm not so sure, but I actually might take him before Mike Evans, which is interesting seeing as I took Chris Godwin in round one. Yeah, I mean, I... It's fair. He's going to be 31, you know, so you want to approach guys like that with a little bit of caution. Um, But if someone had him as their number three wide receiver, like I would understand because that's pretty much what he's been for the past six years. Yeah, completely. Um, So actually, I don't think that we're going to move on to round two or sorry, round three. We might save that for next week. Uh, Were you surprised at all to see Josh Jacobs make his way into round two? Uh, and do you do you actually like him more than any of the other backs that we may have mentioned prior? Uh, yes, uh, I actually have him. Um, let me just make sure I'm yep. I'm accurate on this. Uh, yes, I have him in round two. Um, I have him ahead of uh, a number of. I have him ahead of Austin Eckler. Yep. I have him ahead of Miles Sanders. Whoa, whoa. So then you really like Josh Jacobs. I really like Josh Jacobs. Or is it that there's a level of safety there? Or do you think that his ceiling actually is high enough to fall under this umbrella of league winner? No, I, I think he actually could be a league winner um, because, and, and you can get him, I think, a, a little bit later, but um, because of uh, a lot of things like one, I think he's a better pass catcher than uh, the opportunities he was given last year. I think he will probably get more pass catching opportunities this future season. Um, He's going to, I think, continue to be the lead back. Uh, I mean, I think that's pretty clear. 21 years old, big bodied guy. I kind of don't care that he's not that athletic because we've still seen him produce 
um, you know, first rounder, what, like, what is there not to like, like you can say like the team that he's on, but like, I think at some point stuff like that kind of doesn't matter. Like it, it does like in the median, but you're not shooting for the median. You're shooting for like the upper range of outcomes. And like, that just includes kind of like thinking about stuff that you can't really project. So like if things break a little bit better for the Raiders than people are anticipating, that can mean like monstrous upside for Josh Jacobs. And, you know, like things happen randomly with, with teams every year. I just kind of want to be in the, in the realm of like, if something good happens, like how outsized is the benefit? And with Jacobs, I think the benefit is pretty big. Well, it's definitely something, um, or I, I don't think that I can argue with you about the volume likely being there. So he was third in attempts, 47 in targets. Targets could certainly come up. I think attempts might come up as well. Um, and the team is now going to be in Las Vegas. So maybe they, uh, you know, get some type of boost from the new location. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know if I'm quite <laughs> as high. I don't think I'm quite as high on Jacobs as you, but... Um, it's almost at the point where if there's a player that you know is a running back that's going to get a lot of volume, you really can draft them purely based on that. Because we'll talk about some of the round three guys, but that um, or those players that you can pencil in for just large amounts of volume is already really kind of slipping away. Um, so let me let me yep. just to, to kind of throw in here these. <coughs> sorry about the cough. These are the running backs I have ahead of Jacobs. Like the obvious McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Dalvin, Kamara, uh, and then Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, and then Nick Chubb. Yep. Uh, that's it. Right. Okay, yeah, that's a, it's not a but, long list. But if, you, but if you think about the running backs who come after that, that's really where it starts to get a little more shaky. Like, yep. okay, you have Eckler, you have Todd Gurley. Like, I like Miles Sanders, but, like, he's not a proven runner at this point, and you could see how other backs siphon off enough opportunities to prevent him from being a running back one. You know, and then from there, it gets, you know, it gets ugly. Like, Le'Veon Bell, like, mm-hmm. okay, he's good, but he's older. Uh, Kenyon Drake. You know, like at yep. that point, you're like Devin Singletary, Melvin Gordon, Chris Carson. Like, I get it with those guys. They're all talented, but there are reasons to be pessimistic. And then you're talking about DeAndre Swift, maybe. Like, do you go with a rookie that early? James Conner, Marlon Mack, Mark Ingram, who's, you know, aging rapidly. Like, I, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to make a case for putting Jacobs above all of those guys. I actually agree with that. I, I don't think I would argue any of those names. We might have to see, though, where Swift or Taylor end up. But actually, you yeah. know what? Like, I mean, could there is there really a situation that's going to be that much better than Jacobs? And with Jacobs, you know, like you said, really young back. We've already seen that he can kind of do it. We know the volume is going to be there. It actually is hard to imagine a situation right now where I would put those guys ahead. Perhaps if one of them has a ridiculous combine, then maybe we could talk about it. But the point is uh, taking their mat. I, I can't disagree with you. 
Sweet. I mean, it's like, why wouldn't I want to be invested in a 22 year old lead back who's big and was a first rounder and is going to get like all the action? Yeah. Like, Plus, he's a big bodied Alabama back. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. That's that's a given because he was drafted <laughs> in the first round. For sure. For sure. Anyway, that does it for this week's episodes. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at MattFTheOracle. Thanks to betonline.ag and Untucket for sponsoring this episode. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.